Well, good morning, everybody. Well, this morning, we are going to wrap up our summer sermon series, Games People Play. Over the last four weeks, we have taken the opportunity to look at a, a series of games that are common in our lives and, and really being able to look at the rules and the strategies, our interactions with each other in these games to see how they can bleed into our relationships, into our lives, and, and mess things up between us and other people, and even our relationship between us and between, between God. We have wrestled with the, with the game Jenga, the tower building game, and uh, we learned through the story of the Babylonians in Genesis chapter 11 that dangers of building towers out of our own successes to make ourselves famous or more important that we should only work on behalf of the Lord. We looked at the game of, of battleship and the, the, the power of the tongue and the dangers of the sin of gossip and how it can sink our relationships. We looked at the game of chess, that through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we are unique, each of us uniquely gifted to serve God in all avenues of our lives. We use those gifts to serve our families, to serve in our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, and inside of the church. And I challenge those that call this place their church home and if that you weren't serving, challenge you with 30 days to find a way to get plugged in and use your gifts in serving each other. And I'm happy to report hundreds of you have done that. Well, for those that haven't, you got seven days left. You can stop at Starting Point at any of our campuses, or you can go online on our BibleChapel.org. Right on the homepage, it says Service Opportunities. You can search through uh, ministries by campus and by giftings on way to get plugged in. Last week, we looked at the game Hungry, Hungry Hippo. And we looked at the way that the greed, the sin of greed, intertwines itself inside of our lives. And I kept my promise to you that I prayed for each of you that God would reveal to you where sin has taken hold and I pray that you've taken that first step in literally giving greed away. Now today, we wrap up that series. We're going to do something a little bit different, and we are going to look at the video game Fortnite, Battle Royale. Now I'm excited that our youth is in the service. Let's hear it. All right, at all of our, all of our campuses and, and, and I think it's important that they're here because this game has taken on a life of its own. In just under a year, people say that this is the most popular game ever played. It has 125 million users. And it's just not the kids, it's adults also. You guys know Chance the Rapper, any of you? A lot of blank stares. I got like three hands here in the South Hills. He's a Fortnite player, but I know you know this guy. How about Juju Smith-Schuster? Yeah, Juju plays. And if you want to talk, you want to follow his frustration with Fortnite, just follow him on Twitter and you'll see how much of a challenge it is. It's not only these guys, it's, it's, it's dads. I know some dads that are playing. Do I get any dads who acknowledge it? Come on, I know. Uh, there's one, two. I know there's more than you than that. 
But this game, if you have teenagers, it is undoubtedly the talk of your household. Should I let my son or daughter play? If I do, how much should I let them play? It's also the talk of the schools, middle school, high school, and even colleges. This game has come out, tardiness has increased, and grades have gone the opposite direction. It's the talk of the workplace. As, as employers wrestle with productivity because people were playing the game while they should be working. That is what is going on. And get this, it's not just a game. This game has, has spawned cottage industries. There are actually people who are willing to take your money and coach your son or daughter on how to play Fortnite better. You laugh. Parents are paying up to $50 an hour for their kids to be coached like it's baseball or golf. And it's worse than that. There's people making a living playing Fortnite. There's this, on, this online gaming thing called Twitch that you can, get this, not play, but watch other people play. And there is a guy, his name is Tyler Ninja Bevins. Now, here's the deal. I, you guys are going to pay for this because, listen, this guy is making $500,000 a month for people paying subscriptions to watch him play Fortnite. This is permeating everywhere. So I asked my son, I have a, at home, I have a 13-year-old son and I have a 15-year-old daughter. And my son's friends come over and say, why do you guys like to play this game? And one of the things they say is the graphics. As you'll, I'll show you a video here shortly. It's, it's a very much, a, it's very cartoony, right? It's very visually appealing. The, the violence in the game really isn't um, um, uh, highlighted in the game at all. One of the main features that they like is it allows them through communication through a headset that they can talk to one another while they play regardless of where they are in the world. And it's a big part of it, this community that develops. In fact, my son doesn't even really like to play unless his friends are. Another one of the highlights that they love uh, is these characters, if you will, these skins. They do what's called an emote right? They show their emotion. And, you know, they do that after they have a victory or, or, or they just want to goof off in the, in the game. And what I love about it is they've taken things from culture, these dances basically is what they are, from all different parts of culture and have blended them into the game. Let me give you a couple examples. So if any of you are familiar with the, with the TV show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Yeah? Well, they have a dance in the, 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 the game that Carlton does. Remember Carlton? <laughs> Let me refresh your memory. It's something like this. <laughs> right? That's what he does. Right? <laughs> then, and they even take these dances from these kids on YouTube. There's actually this dance that's called the floss, and it's like this. I don't I can't do it. 
But, I, Ashton, I'm sorry. Anna, please forgive me. Please come back to church again. But that is what makes us. You're going to see those dances on a football field after touchdowns. You watch. But people are enamored with this. And the thing that I want to use today out of this is the, really the theme of the game, which is about a battle. And that we know in this world, we feel that we're in a battle every day. And we want to look at God's word to see how we fight the real battle of life. The only game that really matters. Amen? Let's ask God to lead us. Dear Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we ask you to, to just to penetrate our hearts this morning. Father, this world is a wicked, wicked, wicked place. And Father, we just want you to expose to us how we can fight from a position of victory today through your son, Jesus. And it's in his holy and precious name that we pray together. Amen. So the game Fortnite Battle Royale is a last man standing kind of game. It's, it's you versus 99 other people. And the game starts by being on this very realistic flying school bus that you jump out of onto this island. And your first order of business is that you've got to run through the island to get weapons and to get resources before somebody takes you out. Now, I'm not talking about on a romantic date. I'm talking about take you out. And the idea is to gather these resources, if you will, and then you will use those and these weapons to, to build forts and stairs and, and all these other things which kind of defend your position and, and battle against the other people, right? Pretty straightforward, pretty easy, right? Wrong. Because there's a storm involved. And then a storm comes in, and then your job not only has to be to avoid everybody, to get resource, but to stay in the center of the eye of the storm, because if you don't, the storm will take you out. So you've got all this stuff going on in the game, and at the end, you hope to, to stand up and claim a victory royale. How many of you guys have a victory royale in here, huh? Yeah, a lot of people. That's the name of the game. So my son Ashton said to me after service last Saturday, he said, Dad, if you want your sermon to be worth anything, you've got to play the game, because I had never played it. So I agreed to do that. So I went downstairs in his room, and I'll just leave it at that. 
the, the, play this game with him. I sat down. He handed me this controller that had like 19 buttons on it. He said, all right, Dad, here's the deal. You got to pick a skin. Pick a person. I'll get the skins later. So I picked my person, and next thing I know, I'm on the school bus. He says, you got to thank the bus driver, and you got to jump out and find a place where you're going to land. And I'm sitting there like this. He says, now, as soon as you hit the ground, you got to start running. I didn't even look at him. I just nodded my head because I'm waiting to hit the ground. Well, don't you know it? I hit the ground, and he says, there's a llama. How lucky are you? There's a llama. You got to run, run, jump, jump. And all of a sudden, bullets started flying by my head. And I'm running. He said, Dad, press the X, press the X, press the X. And I looked down at my controller to press the X. I looked back up, and my guy was gone. <laughs> it said, he was replaced with the words, you were eliminated. I looked at him. I said, what happened? He goes, you're dead. You lost. <laughs> I was humiliated as he sat there and laughed at me. So then he holds his hand out. He wants the controller. I said, no, this is sermon research. I got to play again. <laughs> so I'm happy to report that I finished 51st the second time, and I finished 12th the third time I played. I have, I have no idea how that happened because all I was running around doing was taking this pickaxe smashing barns and trees and stoves and refrigerators, had no idea what to do with any of the resources I had. So I glowed a little bit. I say to my 15-year-old daughter, and I finished 12th, she looked at me and went, Dad, I played once and I finished second. <laughs> I was like, how did you finish second? Well, I hit the ground, I ran into a tree, and I hid. <laughs> and then the winner finally got me because I didn't know how to shoot. But I was in this game, right? It's like, it's, it's like real life. I'm running. I didn't know where I was going. I had no idea even how to turn my head to look at who was coming after me, what they were shooting after me. I had no idea what to do with the resources I had. My heart was racing. My palms were sweaty. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Isn't that the way life can be at times? When the pressure of, of what is going on in a day in and day out feels like we're being sniped at from every angle? Do we feel like a, an unknown enemy is chasing after us, shooting after us, feel like the bullets are whizzing by our head as hurtful words and deception and lies come whizzing by our heads and we don't even know where to run? Sometimes it's not even other people. Sometimes it's the circumstances of life when we take body blow after body blow from, from disappointment with our job situation, where we find um, difficulty with our health and bad news after bad news after bad news, and we just get to a point in our lives where we just don't even know where to run anymore, where to hide to, to protect ourselves. You guys been there? And we just wish that we had weapons, that we had a resource, 
that would be able to help us navigate everything that we have going on in and around us. See, in the game of Fortnite, that's why you go after these resources and these weapons. And you look for things like the Rainbow Smash, the Candy Axe, Raider's Revenge, and my son's favorite, the Bright Bag. Sorry, Ashton, don't mean to out you on that. But that's the resource that we have, right? That you hope to have a better chance of winning if you have these things. See, as believers, we know this world is more of a battleground than it is a playground. Amen? That we know that we fight the world. We battle the world. It's what the world tells us and, 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 and tries to pull us away from what God wants us to do with our lives. We battle against the schemes of the devil and his lies trying to deceive us. And we also battle our own flesh in our desire. But the good news, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we do have a resource. We do have a weapon to engage in those battles. And we find it described for us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 13. So take your Bibles and turn there with me. Paul writes, finally... Be strong in the Lord, strength, right? And in strength, right? We're in a position of power, of his might. Put on, here's our weapon, here's our resource, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to be stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, because we're in these battles, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Now, I don't have time to get into all of it this morning, but I'm gonna challenge you to read the following verses, verses 14 through 17, and it describes for you what the full armor of God is. You're gonna read about the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. The, the helmet of salvation, that these are the things as a believer in Jesus Christ that we put on ourselves to fight off the battle of the devil and the world and the flesh. Amen? God equips us living in this world that wants to chew us up and spit us out. And as a believer in Jesus, we don't engage in these battles for victory. We engage from victory. 
That's what we have through our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, some of you here today haven't taken that step of faith yet. You may only be here because someone invited you. This may be your very first time in church. It may be your very first time to hear the words, Jesus. It may be too hard for you to comprehend how you can place your faith in someone that you can't see or can't touch. And if that is you today, if that resonates with you today, I want to speak directly to you right now. And the first thing that I want to tell you is this, that we are no different. You are no different than the person who brought you here. You are no different than me or Pastor Ron. See, we all struggle with these same battles in our lives. The battles of lying, of stealing, of cheating, of sexual immorality, of looking at pornography. And the reason we're all on the same plane is we've got the same core underlying problem. We have a heart that is tainted by sin. And by, the Bible tells us that this sin originated with the very first man and very first woman that God created, Adam and Eve. See, when God created them, he placed them in a beautiful garden called the Garden of Eden. He gave them everything they needed, but not everything they wanted. There was a tree in the middle of this garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they were not allowed to eat the fruit from it. But the evil one plotted against them and deceived them into eating the fruit. And they took it, and at the crunch of that first bite, sin entered their lives. And that sin that entered their lives damaged their relationship with God. In fact, Scripture says that God took them and placed them outside of the garden and closed the gates. There was a distance, there was a separation now between God's people and between himself. And the Bible goes on to say that that sin has been passed down like a defective gene to every person from generation to generation to generation, every person who has taken a breath suffers from this sin that taints our heart. In fact, Scripture puts it like this, Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have fallen short. So the person who brought you has sinned. I have sinned. The Pope has sinned. Your parents have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this sin in our lives is what makes us do things against the will of God. 
Sometimes they are unthinkable, unspeakable things. Like we saw what took place in Jacksonville this week. We're a grown man participating in a video game tournament for Madden. Lost, got angry, and went in and shot people. Killed them. And it's the same reason that we do the seemingly small things also, like stare at pornography, lie, cheat, steal. And this sin that we do, it, it, it hurts other people, obviously. It hurts ourselves. But God's word says there is a much greater consequence for this sin. Paul writes in six, Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages, right? We know what wages are. If you have a job and you get a paycheck, you earn what you deserve, right? You get a paycheck for the hours you work. Well, what Paul's saying here, the wages, we get what we earn earn because of our sin, and that is death. Now, Paul is not talking about a physical death. Right? In the game of Fortnite, you have 100 players. You're one of them. So what's your chance of death? Well, unless you're playing a noob like me, it might be a little bit better. It's 99% chance of dying, right? There's 1% chance of winning. Well, in the real game of life, what's your odds of dying? 100%. So Paul's not talking about a physical death. Paul was talking about a spiritual death, an eternal separation from him. And to put it bluntly, it's spending eternity in hell in torment. So we find ourselves in a desperate situation. This sin issue that has been passed down to us that taints our heart, that has created this chasm and this gap in our relationship with God, and there's nothing that we can do about it. So, but because we're in this relationship with him. We want to try to fix it. We want to try to make it better. We want the gap to be closed. We want to have a good relationship with God. It's kind of the same thing that we do on an earthly perspective. So let's say, for example, that you, that you, that you lie to someone. And I'm not talking about there was a misunderstanding kind of thing. I'm talking about you lied flat out busted your parents, to a friend, to a spouse, and because of that lie, you've broken trust with them, right? You've created a distance in your relationship with them. And because you want to restore it and you want to value, because you value that relationship, you do things to try to restore it and to repair it. You, you, you probably start by saying, I'm sorry. 
You may do something nice. You may buy flowers or go on a date or may do something above and beyond to, to show how much you're sorry and to show how much you love them and show you how much that you care. Well, we do the same thing instinctively with God because we want that relationship to be repaired. And we think to ourselves, all right, God, I, I know that I'm messing up, but I, I am going to go to church now. I'm going to go to church regularly. I'm going to help people in need. I'm going to give away some of the resources which you've given me. I'm going to pray more. I, I'm going to get baptized. Or I'm going to be confirmed. And we think that these, these good things we do will ultimately, we hope, repair our relationship with God and that somehow we will be back in his good graces. But the problem is, Scripture says God's standard is perfection. And I don't know about you, but I am nowhere near perfect. And God's word goes on to say in Isaiah 64, 6, that what? All of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. All of our righteous deeds, meaning our best of the best at the best that we can do, even if we take all of them and stack them up, they would fall short of pleasing God. And we find ourselves in a situation that's, that's desperate with this sinful, stained heart of sin in no way of fixing our relationship with God. There's nothing that we can do. But the good news is that God wants to repair his relationship with you even more than we do. And God does for us what we can't do for ourselves. And we see this in John chapter 3, verse 16. He said, for God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only son that whoever believes, right, not do works, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's how we restore our relationship with God, believing the fact that Jesus, God loves us that much that he sent his son Jesus to pay the penalties for the sins that we have committed, are committing, and will commit. Now, I know what some of you are thinking because I've been there personally. You're thinking, Scott, I've seen this verse. I've seen it in football games. I've read it. I've seen it flying behind airplanes, and I've seen it on bulletin boards. But there is no way that God can love me. You have no idea what I've done. You have no idea where I've been. You have no idea my issues with drugs and alcohol. You have no idea about my promiscuous past. You have no idea about my lying, about my cheating, about my wandering eyes and my wandering heart. There's no way that God loves me. You know what? You're right. 
I have no idea. But God does. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He says, but God shows us his love for us. In that what? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, Scripture does not say that God loved us after we quit sinning, after we quit looking at pornography, after we quit abusing drugs and alcohol, after we quit lying and cheating, after we went to church, after we started reading our Bibles. God's Word says while we were still sinners. In the midst of doing what God hates against him, he sent his son Jesus to die for you and for me. That's how much the living God of the universe loves us. And it is through the belief in that that God loved us that much that he sacrificed his one and only son that if we believe in that, not work towards anything, but believe in that, that we will have our relationship restored just not for eternity, but right now. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 to 10 puts it like this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, right? No works. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Not might be, not you may know sometime in the future. You can know today with certainty through your profession of faith in him you can not only stand in victory for eternity, but stand in victory today with the resources and the weapons that God gives you to engage in the battles of this life. Amen? Now listen, I have completely exhausted my knowledge on Fortnite, except for one thing. One of the neatest things about the game is, are these skins. And they're basically the identity that you take on when you play this game. Right? And there's, when you look at them, you got Omega, and you have Crackshot, and then you got the Weeper, John Wick. I know some of you guys right now are shuddering in your seat by the mention of that name. But here's what's interesting about these skins. There's really nothing that's, that's unique about them. Now, if you run into John Wick on the island, your heart's going to probably start racing a little bit. But he doesn't have any extraordinary powers or extraordinary weapons or anything. 
they're all kind of the same. The only unique advantage do you get from one to the other is maybe one blends into the grass or the mountains or something like this. There's really no unique advantage to having a new skin or new identity in this game. It's up to you. But let me tell you about real life. Is that when you place your trust in Jesus Christ, you get a new identity. You get a new skin. And this one matters. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, in your identity in Christ, you were created anew. Your sins are forgiven regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done. You stand righteous in front of Jesus Christ. That you have life in him, life that matters. That's how much God loves you. That through his son Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross that you can restore your relationship with him for eternity and have a new skin, a new identity with your righteousness imputed upon you Onto him, onto you. There's a mode in Fortnite that 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 your a friend can revive you and bring you back to life. That's pretty cool. But let me tell you this: in real life, there's only one person who can revive your life, and that is Jesus Christ. And he is your only hope for a victory royale in this world. It's only through him. Now, as I close, I want to say two things. First is, if you have a relationship with Jesus, and this world has beat you down, and you feel like you are losing the battle and you feel that you've drifted so far away that you can't even fight anymore. I want to remind you that your position in Christ has not changed. That he is waiting for you to return to him with his arms wide open because there's nothing that you can do to make him love you any less. And he wants you to return to him. You strap on that full armor of God and don't give in to sin and temptation and the lies of this world. You can stand and fight knowing that victory is certain through Jesus. And then lastly, if you find yourself today in this place where you've heard this truth for the first time, that your sins can be forgiven, that you can have a life in eternity with certainty today by placing your trust in Jesus Christ. 
I pray that you accept God's invitation. And that you give up trying to fight the battles of the world by yourself. Because victory can only come through Jesus. And if you are at that place today, I'm going to say a short prayer right now. And I'm going to ask you just to say these words or paraphrase them your own way. There's nothing magical in the words. But it's the confession of your mouth as we read and the belief in your heart that the Lord offers you salvation. Of turning over control of your life and lordship of your life to the only one who can offer us a victory victory royale, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're at that place in your life, say this prayer after me. Let's bow our heads. Father, I sit before you today understanding for the first time of where this sin and this darkness comes from within my heart. And Father, my desire is to turn from it, to repent of it. And let me start by saying to you, God, I am sorry for what I've done, for the mess I've made of my life. And Father, today I've heard the truth that I can have my relationship with you restored through believing that you loved me so much that you sent your son Jesus to pay the penalties of my sin that I have done against you past what I will do today and what I will do tomorrow. And Father, today I'm accepting that free gift of grace and I am professing with my mouth and believing with my heart that the Lord Jesus came to restore my relationship with you. Father, I thank you for giving him up for me. Father, my desire is to be the man and, or the woman that you've created me to be. Father, I thank you for that beautiful gift and I just ask that you put people in my life that will encourage me and to help me figure out how to live a life that is pleasing to you. Father, thank you for loving me and I'm excited about what the days, weeks, months, and years ahead hold in my new life as a new creation given to me by your son Jesus. And it's in his holy and precious name that I pray to you. Amen.